you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to the last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation, in chapter 1. You know, somewhere along the way, I'm sure you've heard the expression, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. And usually, you've heard that expression whenever a reviewer is dealing with a movie or some television series, and that reviewer is about to reveal some major plot detail. And when that happens, they will usually alert the reader of the review that there is a spoiler alert up ahead. In other words, if you don't want to know the end of the movie until you see it, then that phrase spoiler alert is a warning not to read any more of the review or the article. Now, some folks will read a, a, a novel. I remember my dad telling the story. He used to always love reading those Louis L'Amour Western novels. And dad said that whenever it seemed like when he was a kid, the, the bad guy had the hero over a cliff or the edge, and it looked like it was lights out for the good guy. Daddy said he'd always flip to the very back of the book and read the final chapter to provide himself a sense of calm and a sense of relief, <laughs> after which he would go back to where he was in the book and sort of boo-boo the enemy. I know how this turns out. The good guy wins in the end. It's a spoiler alert. You know, the last book of the Bible, in many ways, is the spoiler alert as far as human history is concerned. Aren't you glad that evil does not win in the end? Even though we're surrounded by darkness and chaos, and the enemy seems to be working overtime in our day, men and women, we know the final chapter, and we know how the story is going to end. Jesus Christ is our victorious and soon coming king, and his will prevails. Uh, I guess it was last summer when we began our midweek study of the book of Revelation. And this past year, if you've been here on Wednesday nights, we've worked our way through the book of Revelation, at least the first 18 chapters or so. And I realize many of you perhaps were not able to participate in that, but I do want to finish our study of the final four chapters of Revelation over the course of the summer in our time together on Sunday morning. Now, that means the last four chapters, really it's nothing but good news for the believer, which means a lot of those scary, weird parts we've already covered uh, on Wednesday nights. And so if you're interested in that, I've got 33 messages that I've preached from those 18 chapters, and you can go back on our website and you can peruse those and listen to those at your convenience. But the final four chapters of Revelation involve subjects such as the second coming of Christ, the future millennial kingdom that Jesus will establish upon the earth after he returns, subjects such as the new heaven and the new earth and the glorious description of the new Jerusalem, the city of God that will be our home for eternity to come. And so I do realize that many of you have not had the benefit of our study through the first 18 chapters of the book, which is so important that you understand sort of the grand scheme or outline of, of the book. And so really before we jump into chapter 19, which we will uh, in, in the weeks ahead, I do think it would be appropriate to provide sort of a general overview 
for the sake of those to whom this may be brand new. And for that reason, I want you to go to Revelation chapter 1. And notice with me this morning just the first three verses. The Bible says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. And he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. And blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. And so notice that John says this is the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. In other words, spoiler alert up ahead. Uh, John is given a glimpse of the future and where human history ultimately is headed. And it ends with Jesus Christ enthroned as the King of kings and the Lord of lords that he is. And so for just a few minutes this morning, I want to speak from this subject, spoiler alert. A few things that I want to point out just from these first few verses, sort of to establish an overall context for the final four chapters of the book of Revelation. Uh, Notice with me, number one, the overall aim or purpose of the book of Revelation. Because within this first verse, even the first phrase of the first verse Uh, The Apostle John is letting us know what revelation really is all about. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And if you were to ask a random sampling of churchgoers what the theme of the last book of the Bible is, more than likely you'd hear a variety of responses. Some folks would say, well, it's about the end times. Others would say, well, it's about the events of the tribulation period and the chaos of the last days. And while those things are certainly involved, this is not the main point or purpose of the book because there's really one central theme that runs through these 22 chapters, and it's not a what, but it's a who because Revelation is all about Jesus Christ. And John lets us know this in just the first four or five words of verse one. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants those things that must soon take place. And so the title of the book, the book of Revelation, it comes from its, the, the very first word there in the Greek text, Revelation. Uh, the word is apocalypsis. Uh, it means unveiling. Uh, we get the word apocalypse from this particular Greek word. And I know that when we think of apocalypse, we often come to associate it with catastrophe, the end of the world and that kind of thing. And yet there's so much more involved in that word uh, rather than just this sense of catastrophe or chaos. The word literally means unveiling. It's a Greek verb which means to uncover or to make something manifest. And so the idea is that a curtain is being pulled back and we're able to see something in its true and proper light. What was once hidden is now made manifest. It's now out in the open. And it's not so much something that's being unveiled as much as it is someone who's being unveiled. This is the revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. 
And so this last book of the Bible, uh, the Holy Spirit is giving us a glimpse of Jesus Christ in all of his glory and all of his power, showing us the fulfillment of his purposes in the culmination of human history, which means that from beginning to end, the book of Revelation fixes our eyes and our gaze firmly upon Jesus In chapter one, uh, John is given a marvelous vision of Jesus Christ in all of his glory. He's the exalted king of kings and lord of lords. In chapters two and three, the letters to the seven churches, uh, he's presented as being the lord, the sovereign lord over his church. In chapters four and five, he is seen in heaven as the glorified and exalted lamb of God. From chapter 6 through chapter 18, uh, he's seen as being the righteous judge over all the earth. In chapter 19, which is one of the most important chapters in all of the Bible, he's the returning king of kings and lord of lords who's coming to establish his kingdom. And in chapters 20, 21, and 22, we see him as the bridegroom who escorts his bride into the heavenly city. And so Revelation truly is all about Jesus Christ. It's the unveiling of who he is and what he's doing and what he will do in the world. Yes, this book deals with future prophecy, but far beyond that, this is a book that's presenting Jesus Christ in all of his glory. And that's something that the church needs to understand. Uh, We need a vision of who Jesus Christ truly is because that impacts how we live our lives as believers. It impacts how we do church. It impacts how we go about the mission that Jesus has left us of making disciples. You know, we're living in an increasingly secular age, and there are perhaps more atheists and agnostics today than at any other point in history. And it seems that all throughout the Western world, that biblical Christianity, confidence in what the Bible says, this is something that is is, is diminishing in many ways in the lives of people. And that's not to say that the church is on the way out because that's not the case. Jesus said he's going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. But in the sense of a cultural acceptance of what scripture teaches, we're witnessing a wholesale rejection of that in our culture today. And as society becomes more secular, as it's moving further and further away from the Bible, it's going to move further and further into emptiness, which means that a major crash is coming to those who have placed their hopes in all the wrong places. And so Revelation is a reminder to us that you'd better make sure that your hope is in the right place, not in the empty temporary stuff of this life, But have you placed all of your faith and all of your hope and all of your confidence and all of your security in the one who is the king of kings, exalted, the one who is unveiled for who he is and what he's done as he's presented in these 22 chapters in Revelation? I pray that it has, that that's where you've placed your faith and your hope. And so, Again, it's important we understand this by way of context. The overall aim or purpose of Revelation is to present us with a picture of Jesus Christ for who he truly is. Now, there's a second thing by way of context that we need to understand, and it's this. Not only the overall purpose of the book, but what about the intended audience? 
Uh, Listen to what John goes on to say. He says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants those things which are soon to take place. So we know that the book was originally intended for a particular audience described as the servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you glance down at verse four, you'll notice that John addresses the book to the seven churches which are in Asia, which means the book is in the form of a letter that was meant to be read to those churches throughout Asia Minor. And those churches are mentioned by name in in chapters two and chapters three. Uh, The church in Ephesus and Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. And so these were actual churches, literal congregations, established in the leading cities of the Roman province of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. But more than likely, there is more to the reference of these seven churches than just simply meets the eye. Yes, John is addressing those particular churches in his day, but there's a sense in which he's addressing our church in this particular day and that these churches are representative of the church really in every age. And so that number seven is a very important number throughout Revelation. It's a number that represents fullness or completion. And so these seven churches to whom Revelation is addressed, they're representative of the church universal, both in John's day as well as our own day. So that means that there's a very pertinent relevant message in Revelation for us. This is not just something that was intended for John's original audience, but this is the unveiling of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants who were living in any and every age. If you want to know how human history is going to close out, then you need to know something about the message of this last book of the Bible. And that's why Revelation really is a book of hope for God's church living in perilous times. And you especially consider the context of these original recipients of John's letter here. And the fact that they were living throughout the Roman world and many of these believers were being persecuted, uh, imperial persecution under the emperor Domitian was a very real issue. Believers throughout the world were suffering for their faith. And so more than likely, John has written this somewhere around 95, 96 A.D. Domitian is the emperor. And here's here's what was going on under Emperor Domitian's reign. Uh, You could worship however you wanted to throughout the empire. But you see, you had to offer a pinch of incense in the name of the, the emperor. You had to also worship the emperor as God. You had to bow the knee to the emperor as Lord. So those first century believers were being persecuted, not simply because they were worshipers of Jesus. No, they're, they're, they're being persecuted because of the exclusivity of the gospel and the allegiance that they rendered to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Official state policy of the day said that you need to bow the knee and say that the emperor is Lord, but the early church refuses to do that and says, no, the emperor is not Lord, Jesus is Lord. 
And because they were refusing to bow the knee to the powers that be of their particular time, they're being persecuted and attacked for their faith. And so John, he's writing this letter that he's commissioned by the Lord himself to write. And this letter is intended to be a great encouragement to those believers who are suffering for the sake of their faith. Now, folks, there's a lot of interesting parallels between that time that we could apply to our own time. The temperature is being turned up for evangelical, Bible-believing Christianity in the West. And the question is, are we going to bow the knee to the emperor, or are we going to continue to march forward with the claim under the banner which simply says, Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. We bow to no one but Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our master. And so these believers in the first century were rebels to the system. They bowed to no one but Jesus Christ. And for that reason, many of them were thrown to the lions, executed, persecuted. They suffered greatly for the sake of their faith. And so you can imagine how encouraging it is to these believers to receive this letter from the apostle John himself who had received a vision from the Lord Jesus himself while John is exiled on the Isle of Patmos and it's a letter which simply presents Jesus Christ in all of his glory, in all of his splendor. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Things may be bad now. Evil may be seeming to get the upper hand now, but you need to understand something. The final chapter has already been determined. So spoiler alert, Jesus wins. And that's the message. So the overall purpose, the overall aim of the book is to present us with a spectacular picture of who Jesus Christ truly is in all of his glory. And the intended audience of the book, it's believers in John's day and really believers in every day and age. But then notice something else, number three, notice the main action of the book. What's the main action of the book? Well, notice this is the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants, now listen to this, things that must soon take place. Things that John himself is going to bear witness to. Uh, things that the Lord of the church shows the apostle John there as John is exiled on the Isle of Patmos. And so John, we know from church history that he worked in Ephesus for many of his later years. And so he's, he, it would be natural for him to want to communicate his vision to the churches that were under his immediate care and influence. And so each of those seven churches to whom Revelation is addressed, they receive this message. A message specifically directed to them in chapters 2 and 3 before John launches into his account of the future which he had received from the Lord. And so really from chapter four all the way through the end of the book, Revelation provides the clearest biblical portrait of the events of the last days, dealing with specifics of that terrible time known as the tribulation period, a time in which judgment is experienced on earth. This is the theme of chapters four all the way through chapter 18. And the way that the vision is given, it's given in the form of a seven-sealed scroll. Those seven seals are broken. Each seal that's broken represents a particular type of judgment. With the breaking of the seventh seal, 
There's the sounding of seven trumpet judgments, which are a little bit more severe. And then with the sounding of the seventh trumpet judgment, that gives way to seven bowl judgments, which represent the final wrath of God poured out upon a rebellious and sinful system. And so this is the subject matter, really, of chapters 4 all the way through chapter 18. And then you get to chapter 19. And in chapter 19, all the way through chapter 22, this portrays Jesus Christ's future triumph over the forces of evil and, and what he's going to do to recreate the world for his redeemed people. And so ultimately then, the book of Revelation ends on a high note, a note of victory, and in that sense, here's a major spoiler alert. Only four chapters in the Bible, there is no sin problem. The first two chapters of Genesis and the last two chapters of Revelation. And so what begins in paradise in Genesis 1 and 2, when God has created man in his own image, placed him in that garden environment, where God intends to dwell with man, you see the same thing in Revelation chapters 21 and 22, which means that the curse of sin has been done away with, the effects of the fall have been reversed, and Jesus is making all things new. Now let me ask you a question. In a day where there's so much bad news, aren't you glad for this spoiler alert? Aren't you glad that there is hope for humanity, there is hope for the people of God, there is hope for those who've come to place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's making all things new. And so you've got the overall purpose of the book is to present Jesus Christ in all of his glory and majesty. The intended audience of the book, it's believers from every generation, from every age. The main action of the book as it centers around those events in the last days before Jesus returns. And then finally, notice number four, the promised assurance of the book. Do you know there's a very special promise attached to the book of Revelation unlike any other book of the Bible? Now you know that there's benefit, spiritual benefit, no matter where you are in your study of God's word, God's word produces results in the lives of God's people. His word will not return to him void. And yet, the scripture says that there's a very special blessing for those who read, those who hear, and those who obey the words of this last book of the Bible. Because look at what John says in verse number three. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what's written in it, for the time is near. And so that word blessed there, this is a word that means happy, fortunate, well off. It's an adjective used to describe the person who's the recipient of divine favor, divine blessing. It's the same word used in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. So there's a very special blessing attached to the words and the promises and the truths which are conveyed in this last book of the Bible, which tells me that I'd better be familiar with what this last book of the Bible actually says. And someone says, well, what is the blessing? I'll tell you what the blessing is. The blessing is when the world around you is spinning into chaos, when it seems like the bottom has fallen out of your life, when circumstances 
that surround your life and circumstances surround the lives of those you love are concerning to you, grieve you. When you walk through valleys and seasons where you've lost someone that you love, where there's been some type of major disappointment or setback in your life, uh, when the aging process begins to take its toll out on your mind and on your body, or it begins to take its toll out on the lives of those that you love, or when you hear news headlines that scream bad news, terrible news, evil at work in man's world, headlines like 19 children being shot in Uvalde, Texas by a crazed gunman, or those who openly and proudly defy the living God and his designs for humanity, when all of that grieves us to the core of our being, you know what the special blessing is attached to this last book of the Bible? It's the spoiler alert. That's the special blessing. Knowing that Jesus Christ is king and that Jesus Christ is making all things new, whether it feels that way or not. And therein is the blessing. You don't have to cave in to the despair of the times. You don't have to give in to the loss of hope, and you don't have to scratch your head wondering what in the world is going on in the world today. No, you know the final chapter. And so like my dad, who's reading those Louis L'Amour novels, you can go back, and when it seems like the villain has the good guy over the edge of the cliff, you can say, na-na-na-boo-boo, devil. I know how this ends in the end. You lose, Jesus wins, and in Jesus Christ, I'm more than a conqueror. Aren't you grateful for the spoiler alert? Let's stand for prayer this morning. I love what David Jeremiah has said in in an introduction that he wrote to the book of Revelation. He says that our conduct today is affected by what we know about tomorrow. And Revelation tells us all about God's plan for the future and assures us that we are on the winning side. And it often appears that the enemy is winning, but the message of Revelation puts everything into perspective. And yes, Satan may win some present battles, but the outcome of the war has already been determined, and the devil knows this. And so when we know that truth as well, listen to this, It gives us the courage we need to persevere through the downturns of life. And that's what God's people need in this day. We need courage and strength to persevere in the downturns of life. Would you bow with me this morning? If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, either you're in the room or if you're watching online, then listen. You need to know who he is, and he's King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's the one and only Savior and hope for the world. And you can be saved through turning from your sin and placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sin, who rose again from the dead, victorious over death, hell, and the grave, and who's coming back. And the Bible says that every eye will see him. Do you know him this morning? Lord, in Jesus' name, we bow, and we're so thankful that you've given us this wonderful spoiler alert known as the last book of the Bible. 
and that history is his story. It's your story, Lord. And history is moving toward a climactic moment when Jesus Christ returns and evil is banished forevermore and the king establishes his kingdom upon the earth and we're going to rule and reign with him as those who know him. Even so, come Lord Jesus is our prayer. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.